Welcome to Daddy vs. Doctor. Here are your hosts, pediatrician Dr. Scott Cohen and comedian Sebastian Maniscalco. We are here today with uh, real estate developer Rick Caruso right here in Los Angeles. I've known Rick now for, I'd say, about five years and wanted to have you on the show and getting to know you and pick your brain about parenting, uh, especially uh, four kids. You have four beautiful yep. kids. And um, you know, I was talking to Dr. Cohen before you got got here, and one of the questions that came up for you, um, since you're such a family man, was this something that before having kids you told your wife, hey, I want to have family dinners, I want to have family vacations, or is this something you realized as your career started to blossom, hey, let me pump the brakes and make time for family. I I'm trying to figure out, for an individual as yourself who's so busy, yeah. how do you how did you make the time? Because now your kids are older. I believe they're in their 20s, maybe some in their 30s. 32 to 23. Yeah. Was this a conscious decision you made prior to having kids? You know, for me, it was a natural uh, decision because I grew up in a family of very traditional, like you, Italian family. So family dinners on Sunday night were just, you know, part of the routine. And being together on a family on vacations were part of the routine. And when Tina and I were dating... Um, her family was somewhat similar and it just worked out. And we always talked about the fact family was going to be first and we'd figure out how to get everything else done in our lives around that. Yeah. It, it, it's something I'm struggling with now. How much work is too much work? How yeah. much do you need, you know, and do, I want to be here for the kids, but I also want to provide for them. So, you know, it's also hard to get the kids as they get older to buy into that. Right. As they right. become teenagers, they want to be with their friends and they have so many activities, sports, dance, music, you know, spending that time and having that routine, I think is so important. It is. But I think, you know, part of it, and I wish I never had a playbook, right? When yeah. I was young, you sort of go along and you see what works. Some things works and some things don't, but I'm a real believer that more is caught than taught. And when kids are young, they know if you're there, they look over the shoulder and you're in the audience or you're in the stands or you're driving them to school. I just had, you know, some basic rules. It was faith, family, and community, everything organized around that. But I took the kids to school every single morning. I did carpool and Tina picked them up in the afternoon. And I did that until they drove to school themselves and never missed a football game and never missed, you know, uh, performance. Not easy to do, especially when I was younger and practicing law because I didn't control my schedule. But I think they recognize that. So when they get older, then they say to themselves, you know what, they have a commitment to us and it sort of works. But I think there's a whole bunch of things that you have to organize around it. You got to also make being with you fun. Mm -hmm. and enjoyable and still have boundaries and rules, right? And that's always the delicate balance. Yeah. Presence more than presence. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. You know, but yeah. that's, I think that's really important. They remember those, right? They're probably going to remember the 100%. vacations you took as a family, the family dinners, the time you spent on the sidelines watching the games more than any Christmas gift or anything else. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. yeah. So here's another thing I'm struggling with. I'll pick your brain. Growing up in an environment, uh, I grew up in a working middle class family, a lot different than how uh, my kids are growing up now. 
Is there a part of you that wishes that your kids could have had an upbringing similar to yourself? Is there parts of you that go, man, I wish my my kids might have could have experienced that a little bit more or is it, it it is what it is i mean you can't fake environment right uh how do you, how do you instill those like and, and i know you're heavily in the charity what can you give us a secret the kids really experience things differently i think the common theme in there was one tina's an incredible mom and incredibly down to earth they had the the real miracle blessing of growing up with my grand my parents, so there were the grandparents around. There was a lot of stories about our humble beginnings, which my grandfather and my grandmother were immigrants, and he was a gardener, and so we talked about that a lot, and we talked about how lucky we are, and all of these kind of things. But they also saw their mom working hard at home, and they also saw me going to the office and working long hours. That it didn't just happen. Yeah. But I tell you, you, pick, you mentioned something I think is really critically important, their work with charities. And starting at a very, very young age, I mean like three and four years old to this day, down on Skid Row at schools working with kids that are at or below the poverty line, working with those families, knowing the families, spending time with the families, and, and really being part of that community, um, I think has been you know invaluable to them. And to us, yeah. right? Puts things in perspective. Absolutely. And I think them seeing your work ethic, which I'm sure, and your wife's work ethic, we've talked about this, that even though they're growing up maybe with a different lifestyle than we grew up, seeing that their parents worked really hard for that instills also. Yeah. And I also wouldn't underestimate the power of faith, whatever your faith may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think it's a grounding factor. And I, I think it's really important and critical in kids' lives, especially as they're growing up. So I was wondering if if there was something that you did when they were teenagers, maybe it was uh, a routine, maybe it was a credo, maybe it was volunteer work that you felt set them up for success. I know it's never just one thing, but thinking back, was there something when they were teenagers that really you felt pushed them to that next level? God, I wish wish there was one thing. I don't think there is one thing. I think there's a whole bunch of things that you're doing. And like I said, you realize when something's working and you realize when something's not. And the beauty of having four kids is you sort of get better at it by the time you get to the four. I mean, the first one, also, you're so protective. You know, we still joke around with our oldest son, you know, because our friends used to call him a bubble baby. You know, everything was boiled and clean. You couldn't Mm -hmm. touch him, right? And then the second one comes along and he's putting dirt in his mouth and you're saying, don't worry about it. I don't know. I've always believed, and this is what I've told the kids, I'll be your best friend or your worst enemy. You sort of get to make that choice. And then there's a lot of space in between there. Listen, there were times, like all kids, that they really messed up and did something wrong. And I stood behind him and I said, yeah, don't worry about it. Made a mistake, let's move on. And there were other times, you know, where they were disciplined. Um, Never hitting or anything like that, but they were disciplined and there were consequences. And I think kids need consequences, but they also need to have unconditional love. And it's how you blend those two together. There's an art and a science to that. I wish I had the formula. I don't. But I was also really blessed with great parents. And so a lot of what I did and Tina did and Tina had great parents, you know, we applied to our kids. Mm -hmm. And so we were really lucky because of that.
about your kids? Do they feel a pressure at all to, and I don't know how the hell we define success nowadays. I mean, a lot of people say as long as you're happy or what have you, but when you have a very successful father, do you sense that the kids want to out success you or is there like a you know dad's really doing great i gotta i I gotta step it up a fucking notch (laughs) i think it's i think it's tough sebastian i we talk about that a lot because it's the i i don't want them to have that burden Mm -hmm. and it's tough to just ignore it and it's also tough to for them to have their success and for people to give them their due credit for their own achievements, right? Versus saying, well, your dad or your mom helped you along on this. We all had help, you know, right? We all stood on other shoulders to get to where we are today. And so we talk about that a lot. I always encourage them to just find your passion and go do it, whatever that may be. And don't worry about what anybody says. And don't worry about your monetary success. That comes naturally. But I think the worst thing would be that you live every day trying to make somebody else happy mm-hmm. or live up to somebody else's expectations. Um, and so we worked hard to diffuse that a lot. Was there any expectations of the kids taking over the family business? As a father, is that something that you would like, oh, it'd be nice to work with my son, work with my daughter? Hey, listen, it would be nice, but it, it's only nice if they want to do it. Yeah. You know, and we've talked about that a lot. My oldest son is a lawyer and he's practicing law. I think he's gravitating to moving into the business. And that's great as long as that's something he wants to do. But at the same time, when he moves into the business, now he's got to earn his stripes, Mm -hmm. right? He's not coming in as the boss. He's got to come in and earn it over a period of years of what he's going to do. All of the kids are very, I would say, um, proud of the business and uh, they want to protect it. and so they're involved in their own ways. Mm-hmm. I actually just put them on the board. So they are the board of the company. And I did that because now they get an opportunity to learn the business and they can find areas that they may be interested in to spend more time with it. But, you know, one son has a great career as a writer director. The other son is in the music business. He's a songwriter and performer. And my daughter has her own business in fashion. Those are their passions and that's what they should be doing. See, that's interesting. Such a wide variety. Do you feel they were that way from the beginning? Like, could you tell that they were very different from the beginning or mm-hmm. did you feel that changed over time? All different. Yeah, exactly. We All talk different. about that. The, the sort of nature versus nurture. It's like my girls are the same way they acted when they were one year old. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. It's and unbelievable. I don't think people change. Yeah. I think you sort of shape at the edges. I you would agree. know more of this. No, than I, I totally agree with you. I think we shape a little bit, but yeah, when they yeah. get stamped out, I think that's who they are. And I yeah. think an important thing as a parent is let them be who they are. Right. You know, and then they have that inner happiness and they, they go with it. Speaking of being who you are, you're, did you have, other than your father, did you have like a mentor growing up or someone who kind of, because um, you go to your properties and, and you see like how beautiful manicured they are and you mentioned that your father was a gardener and I'm, I'm i'm assuming that's why there's a lot of floral arrangements in 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 the your your properties did where did that all come from is that your your dad where did this whole like 
you walk into an outdoor mall and everything. I mean, it feels like you could eat off the floor. There's people. Cle- it's like it's like, uh, you know, the, the the service, you know, even at your hotel, it's just seems like it's very dialed in. And I was wondering and you seem to be like the way you present yourself is very dialed in. Did this come from? Someone? Did you have someone in your life? You're like, this guy's amazing. I would. Have... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. I think going back to the point, you sort of you you get put together right with your DNA, and you are who you are. So, uh, my grandfather was the gardener. My dad was a you know he was in the car business, but he was always meticulously dressed, mm. and so I grew up with that. And and he was clearly my best friend and somebody that I really looked up to and admired in business. And especially a guy who took a big fall and lost everything and had to come back. And and watching him do that and sort of the shame of that that he felt as an Italian, you know, this letting his family down who immigrated here, all of that. But I really admired him. In terms of things being sort of always in order, that's just the way I am. And I what what fuels me is watching people enjoy life. And so when I look at things, I say, what can we do to have somebody have a great experience on our properties? What can we do to bring joy? What business are we in? And the business that we're in is not the hotel business or the retail business or anything else. We're in the business of providing enjoyment. And it sounds so darn corny, but that's what we talk about every day in our office. But that also gives us huge permission to do things, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm in the business of creating enjoyment, that means I get to build a trolley at one of our centers and let kids and families ride around. If I was in the shopping center business, I'd never build a trolley because it doesn't line up with a shopping center, mm-hmm. right? And so we do all of these things, and I think that's our secret sauce, quite frankly. But it fuels me. And so that's why I enjoy doing it. That's a great perspective. Well, no, that. seems to be working. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's all. We, I think we all need a trolley. It's all working. Is, is there any advice that you give to, you know, soon to be fathers, whether it's your sons or, or people that come up to you and say, hey, you know, uh, I need some advice on, on being a father, being an entrepreneur. Is there anything uh, that you you think is vital uh, to being a dad? Because when I grew up, my dad wasn't heavily involved in the day to day rigors of child rearing. He's he was working, came different home, era. Yeah. yeah, different era. I think now, and, and and maybe not so much your era, but like our era is like. We're very involved. It's like yeah. we're, we're... We just went to the dentist this morning as a family. And then when we made the follow-up appointment, my wife's like, well, when can all four of us come together? I go, do we all have to come together? She's like, yeah, it's just we should all be here together. I'm like, okay, great. Yeah, there seems to be a, a lot of... Uh, a lot of... I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Just maybe the times have changed, but it seems like we're we're a lot more involved than yeah. our parents were in our upbringing. Yeah. Are you into that? I mean, what, it, yeah, I think it was a little bit different. I mean, I was pretty involved. I was always there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Tina was the lead in being involved and in making sure that things were happening and the, all that kind of stuff. 
a friend of mine said something, and it was a terrible circumstance, but a friend of mine said something who had lost his son. Uh, and he, his eulogy about his son, which was so powerful, the line that I will never, ever forget, his son was 15 when his son died, was, I wish I would have been more of a cheerleader than a coach. Mm. And man, that hit me. And it really changed me as a father at the time because our kids all played together. But they all knew each other. And so it, it is that, you know, all of us, especially as dads, we want to be that coach. We're going to guide you. We're going to give you advice. We're going to tell you how things are going to be. And what you really want to do is make sure that you're just saying, go, go, go. You're fantastic. Everything you're doing is great. God, I'm proud of you. Keep it up. That's not how I grew up. No, and, but, and it's, but it's so good to hear. You know, because I feel like after every soccer game every weekend, I say that to myself and then I do the opposite. On the way home, like, I'm not going to make a comment about the shot or, you know, and then I do it. And then after I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done it. I need to hear more of that. I, I yeah. totally agree. A good line to remember. Yeah. Was your dad a cheerleader or a, a, a coach or? You know, my dad was probably like your dad. I mean, he, he was there and he was involved, but he wasn't active, you know, and it was a lot of your dad just got home. He's worked all day. He's really tired. Just let your dad rest for a little yeah. bit. Right. And then he came home later for dinner. So we never always had dinner together. Mm -hmm. But I always knew my our, our dad loved us to death. Right. And he was fun to be with. He was a disciplinarian, no doubt. Um but it was different back then. Yeah, it, it was yeah. way different. Right? I don't know what's better or worse. I'm not, I don't know if anybody will ever know, but I think being involved is a better thing, to be honest. I think so too. Uh, however, I do believe in the, I mean, the way my parents raised me is the way I am, is the man I am today, right? Yeah. My, my dad came to the soccer games and after the, the whole ride home was, what do you what do you do you know <laughs> what do you think why are you playing soccer that's funny yeah uh I, I don't know which is better either uh i don't know i'm sure everybody has a philosophy on like you know but you know i, I guess with time things start to change and, and i think it goes to your point like the way your dad was you've done very well so whatever they were doing worked how they raised you right and I think there's dozens of ways to raise kids and have them be productive and happy and successful, whatever that definition is, right? right. There's never just one way. And so many things influence your uncles, your aunts, your cousins, your friends, right? All of that comes in together and influences you. At least it did with me growing up. You just have to come to his house and watch watch one of his children do something and then just watch how Lana deals with it and how Sebastian deals with it and that. So yeah, so in your relationship, who was more the disciplinarian who took the, you know, who the kids end up going to when they needed something, uh, the soft touch? Oh, it's, yeah, I, I think it was Tina. I mean, yeah, I think there was, I mean, the kids yeah. joke with me now, you know, it's fun as they get older because now they tell stories when they were young, you know, hearing the footsteps down the, the hallway, mm -hmm. you know, at night, you know, dad's on his way because he <laughs> hears us doing something wrong or something. But um, Tina and I were always pretty much in sync. That's good. I was in certain areas. I was a little bit more permissive than Tina was. You know, if the boys at a certain age wanted to play beer pong, let them play beer pong as long as it's at the house. You know, those kind of things. So it it really depended on the subject matter. Right. To give them a little bit of room.
talking about finances and, and, and being financially, you know, successful, how do you, um, share those responsibilities with your kids? Was there allowance growing up? Was there, Hey, you do this, you, you get that. Did they work at a young age? I'm trying to instill allowances here. Like you make your bed, clean your dishes, you get a dollar. I'm trying, I, I, my worry in life is my kids are going to just think Amazon's going to bring it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, they don't. <laughs> My wife thinks that. What are, you, what are you talking about? I don't think they will. You know, I, yeah, it's just like yesterday, the kids wanted to stay an extra night, right? And I said, well, no, uh, we, we can't stay an extra night because, you know, daddy and mommy have to work or... I, I've used this. We we don't have enough. We don't have enough money for another night, right? Now I don't know if that is right <laughs> or wrong. When they see, I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time adjusting to a different lifestyle than I was brought up with, and I'm concerned that every step of the way I might be missing an opportunity mm. to share a lesson. Because as time goes on, I don't, you know, you start losing like the eight, they're 10, now they're teenagers. I just want, when they get there, I want to give them as enough knowledge as I possibly can. Yeah. Do you, have you thought that during the course of being a parent? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you have to be really intentional about that. Yeah, it's my biggest fear. I don't yeah. know about you, but I mean, you know. No, it's hard because you want to give them everything and at the same time understand the concept of you know, finance and economics. And sometimes it's not always, the answer is not always yes. And it's not because I don't love you or you don't deserve it. It's just, we can't do it right now. For hey, listen, I think what's really important is the answer a lot of times has to be no. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, you know, you, you have to get no in life and move on and still be happy. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I mean, I think we've all seen it with kids that have only heard yes. They're yeah. pretty miserable oh, human yeah. beings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without the tantrum. Yeah. And, and my, my, my example of this is when my father took me to see the Chicago Bulls when I was 15, we sat third balcony obstructed view, right? There was a pole right in front of me. So I had, a, I had to do this. Couldn't see the real game, but I was just happy to be there, right? Right, sure. Now, you know, you get an opportunity to sit front row. For me, I got like a perspective of, oh, yeah, we right. used to be up there. But now we're down here. And my fear is, yeah, with success, you want to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Of course. So you don't necessarily want to take your kid and sit in the third balcony. But how do you give them a perspective of if they're always in the front row, what's the what's the lesson here? Like, is, 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 it, yeah. the, is it the charity? Is it the philanthropy? Like, hey, people don't have enough. And we've seen that side of life, but we're going to enjoy our life. I don't know. That's another thing I wrestle with. I mean, that's yeah, a fair question. Uh, I mean, listen, our, when our kids grew up, I couldn't always afford the front row. So they didn't always get the front row. And um, I think it's important not to be in the front row a lot. And then there's an age when, you know, listen, dad and mom have worked really hard. So we get to go do this. Um, I, I still think the charity side is really important. And I think with the other thing is, you know, the friends that they have become really important and more important over time, the school they're at, the core values of the school they're at. 
because they're at school hearing a lot more than they're at home hearing. Yeah. yeah. And that becomes really important. And you probably know this, I and mean, we've talked about this, there's been some recent studies that show that the future success of children has more to do with the people they hang out with, their friends, their friends' parents, their teachers, yeah. their mentors, um, than their own parents, because they're spending the majority of time with those other people. And those other people also push them in a way, right? When you have friends that, you know, are successful and push themselves, often you try to do the same. I always look back at my childhood. I was so thankful for the friends that I had that were smarter than me, more athletic than me, and it pushed me to want to be in the same classes as them and play the same yeah, sports as them. Good point. You know, you try to surround yourselves with people. You probably do that in, you know, in your work now and, and the people you hang out with minus me. Doing that, <laughs> so. I, well, I saw you this weekend or this week at the at the hotel, and I know you're a big dog guy, and uh, yeah. I, I don't have a dog, but how important is having an animal around the house uh, for kids? Uh, we struggle with this. Uh, I, I didn't grow up with dogs. Nothing. Uh, and, <laughs> I think somebody's pushing for a dog in the house. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Yeah, yeah who's pushing? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean have, have, you, have you found it like, uh, would you have it any other way? We, When we were young, they didn't have a dog. We didn't have a dog in the house. And mostly it's because Tina was allergic. We've sort of figured that out. Tina's been really great about dealing with this. But I really think it's important. I think it's important to have responsibility, to be in charge of something when you're a kid, and just the sheer joy the dog gives you. I think it's just so important. Yeah, I love it. And I, I as, as you know... Because you see me, I mean, I I take my guy with me everywhere I go. What mm -hmm. kind of dog? A golden. Oh, okay. So I grew but up every one of labs. our kids except yeah. one have a dog. Uh, the other night, last night, everyone came over for dinner, uh -huh. and the house is full of dogs. So the dogs have to get along too. <laughs> we got. A, I love it. We got a lot of managing to do. But dog people dinners. in LA are very different because I'm from back east. You know, back east you had your dog, but they were in the backyard in the house. They didn't come to like restaurants and stores with you like they do here. Yeah, the dogs go everywhere. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you, um, you're getting one. I don't know, man. It's. Uh, I'd like to have one. I, I mean, you should. I, I mean, I, I like. I said, I never, never. I had a bird growing up. Yeah. Two birds, Pasquale <laughs> and uh, Pasquale. Pasquale was uh, <laughs> belly up on the on the on the bottom of the bird cage when I came That's down classic. for morning breakfast, and I thought he was sleeping. Hmm. Uh, but but the problem the problem with Pasquale is he was right by the door the garage door and in January in Chicago that thing would open and it would just burn right through the uh, the, the the bird I think he froze to death so um, oh my yeah. god that's hilarious <laughs> he found out his what name is was Pasquale yeah. he's like I'm out <laughs> I can't take it anymore I can't do it he came to our house and we have I'm a dog person too but I had the choice of my wife and cats or neither one so I chose wisely and uh, he came over and found out that he gets anaphylactic reaction yeah. to cats no, I can't first time that. we hung out together he was at my oh, house wow. and he's like <clears throat> he's like is this normal I'm like no, we need to go. We ended up at a Rite Aid together getting them an inhaler and uh, oh my allergy meds. Yeah, go so. with a golden. <laughs> it's always good to have a doctor on that. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. So I know you're big in education. I, I believe you're uh, aren't you on a board of directors for a college? Uh, am I mistaken on that? Yeah, chair of the board of uh, USC. USC. So what's your thoughts on, on education for kids? If one of your kids came up to you and said, Dad, you know, I'm 
challenging for me. Um, do, do you believe in this day and age that an education is something that an individual needs to to succeed or you know, I don't know. I hear I hear a bunch of people in their garage starting businesses. They dropped out when they were sophomore, yeah. and I'm like, "Is that all you need today? Is a garage? I don't know." <laughs> well, they're doing better than us. It makes it makes it easy. I, I'm a big believer in education. I think it. I think education equals opportunity. And I, what I always tell the kids, one of the number one things you want is you want to have choices in life. And 99.9 percent .9 of the world. Every, every day wakes up without a choice. Mm. And an education gives you the opportunity to choose what you can do, including choosing, just giving back your time to charity or including choosing sitting on the beach and making pottery, whatever that is. But an education, I think, gives you that. And uh, so I'm a big, big believer in it. What I'm not a big believer in it, and, and there's so much of this that happens around LA, you got to go to the best school and it's got the best reputation. It's got the highest academic standards. I think there's way too much pressure on kids nowadays, especially being young. Mm. And uh, I think a lot of these schools have just gone over the top with the pressure and the amount of work and the demand to be in the top of your class to get into the best college. I, I don't think that equals success all the time. That's good to hear coming from the college that you came from. So. No, that's Northern Illinois, NIU, Northern <laughs> Illinois <laughs> University. Um, he makes one. Dude, majored in stand-up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one, one, one of one. It worked. By, by the way, it worked. Highly successful <laughs> yeah, there. It worked. They have a whole class uh, now. <laughs> so you, you run for mayor of Los Angeles, right? And uh, I wanted to ask you, what did you learn coming out of the campaign that you didn't know going into the campaign? It's a closed loop system. It's a closed loop system. That that system works to keep the system closed. <laughs> <laughs> so no change. It was just fascinating to me. First of all, I loved the experience. Mm -hmm. It was a great experience. And as and you and I have talked about this, as close as we are as a family, my number one fear, I had two fears. One was, I'm going to wake up one morning after I announce and say, what the hell did I just do? Mm. I'm miserable. That didn't happen. I really loved it every day. Two was the family, putting the family at risk, more pro, higher profile, all this kind of stuff. And thank God they were fine and everything else. But the great blessing that came out of this is as close as we were, we even got closer to see Tina and the kids on the streets with me, campaigning, being out there. It just in the most desperate, remote parts of Los Angeles, because we were campaigning to those that were unheard, you know, people that normally don't engage and people at or below the poverty line um, that don't feel like they're part of the, the system here. And so that was incredible. And I would tell the kids, people would hug us. That hug is hope. And what we're doing is we're giving people hope of a little bit better life. So that was incredible. But the system was just obviously so scared of having an outsider come in the tent yeah. because everybody just wants to keep getting reelected, right? And, you know, never in the history of Los Angeles in a mayor's race does the president of the United States fly out, the vice president a couple times, uh, senators. I mean, you know, Tina and I would joke, load up Air Force One all at once and just bring everybody at once. Don't just dribble them out little by little. 
So they wanted they wanted to keep the tent closed, and uh, they leaned in heavily to do that. But so I didn't expect that. We didn't expect to have it be a national election, which it turned out to be. Well, did you find that LA is uh, worse off than you thought going in? I mean, you know, we we all go around Los Angeles and we kind of see. Uh, what, what's going on, but being kind of on the ground level, did, did you go, oh, wow, this is, I didn't think, I didn't know, is this bad, or, or was it kind of what you expected? I tell you, it, it reinforced in my self, and my son Gregory, who's the filmmaker, did a short film that captured it. I fell in love with L.A. all over again. Mm-hmm. It is the greatest city in the world, and it's the greatest city in the world because it's populated with some of the greatest people in the world. And the greatest people in the world are the ones that we don't know that work so hard and have so much pride and they have this work ethic. And a lot of them are immigrants who have come here with the American dream firmly planted in their head and they're not letting it go. And I've met thousands of people that just work their ass off every day, happy as can be. They just want a little fair share of a slice of that American dream. Not so much for themselves, for their kids. Mm-hmm. It's so uh, endearing and it's so pure and it's so energizing to be around people like that. And you want to do more for them. You want to give them that break. And they're not asking for anything for free. They're just saying, I want my daughter to be able to walk to school and be safe. Mm-hmm. I don't want this tent in front of my little restaurant that I work at 18 hours a day. I want my customers to walk in and out. And so I I fell in love with L.A. all over again. I think L.A. is is got incredible potential. I honestly think our leadership in the past has really failed us. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at, where we're at. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that changes. How do you keep that optimism, knowing that this, you know, closed loop system and that you want to create change, even if it's not with the title? How do you go about doing that, knowing that there's these barricades? You know, I don't know all the answers to that. Um, I've served the city for 40 years in different capacities. I've worked with three different mayors. I think you get involved with charities through your church, through your synagogue, through your school, through whatever, um, and you support these organizations that are really doing great things. And I think you get out there and go into Boyle Heights, go into East L.A., go into Filipino Town. These communities are incredible. Great restaurants and and activities and little shops, and there's a, there's a, a life there that is really cool. And 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 get to know the city better. It that's what I did through the campaign. I would have never seen parts of the city. I thought I knew the city well. Yeah. Growing up here, but man, I really enjoyed being out there on the streets. What what's the next goal for you? Are are you do you want to keep opening up um these outdoor malls? Do you want to get more into the hotel business? Are you slowing down? Is there retirement in your future? Uh, <laughs> more dogs. <laughs> more dogs. More dogs. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm not slowing down. I want to continue to grow the company. I've got a great team. I'm really proud of them. And I want to do more. But I also want to do more on our charitable side. And we're doing that. Um, I want to be part of the solution to a lot of the problems that plague LA, like homelessness. So I've got some plans to do that on the private side. And I stand, you know, ready and available to help the city where I can. But I want to stay active and engaged and involved and have a lot of fun 
and spend. A, I, I love having fun, so I want to be out with friends and family and enjoy life. I don't like going to bed. That's my biggest thing. <laughs> I, I like being up and around. <laughs> When I first, when the girl first opened up, I was, and this is how I, I, I wanted to meet him. I it was what two, was it two thousand four ish that opened up? Yeah. Or oh, what? we opened the the Grove opened up 25, 20 years ago, twenty two years ago now. Yeah. yeah. So I went I'm like, hey, this is unbelievable. The fountain, the whole thing. I'm like, I gotta get involved. And I wanted, to, I wanted to become the Grove guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means exactly. I think it's a guy. That sounds like a great <laughs> title for you. You put, you put me on a billboard, and you go Grove guy. And I'm like, we could still do that. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I can afford you, but we could try it. No, the, I mean, the Grove saved my father because, like, when I was alone with the kids, you know, you're always looking for things to do. So I know, oh, I'm gonna hit the Grove, and we're gonna walk around for a couple hours. That got me the nap time, and then you're gonna have lunch, and it got me to when my wife could help, you know, come home and help me out because uh, she was working. So that's um, perfect. I know it was we're perfect. I know. Well, it's not. I, I've, I haven't really seen a concept like it across the United States. I've been all over the United States. Yeah, there's outdoor malls, but they're not quite as sophisticated as this. Has anybody come to you and say, "Hey, man, uh, you know, I want to open up. One of, <laughs> I want to open up one of these in Florida," or have you thought, "Hey, I want to take this, you know, nationwide," or is this just kind of California is your deal? Yeah, we're looking now outside of California. Um, because I'll try to, I'll plan a trip around it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just well, okay. my guess well, is you're not the first one well, that's proposed a business well, idea. To well, well, just, <laughs> let's go do it together. Well, you know, come on. We'll go down to Florida or somewhere and build a mall together. The Grove guy. Well, <laughs> I, actually, I, I I do like hospitality, and that that's kind of where my interest lies as far as maybe doing something down the road of you should, you should do it. Being at your hotel, I always get inspired by, oh, this is cool. I like how this goes. Then I like, is, is another hotel or something along the lines of being a, was it a hotelier? Mm-hmm. Is, is that a, mm-hmm. is that something? Well said. That, I have trouble with that word. <laughs> Glad you said it, not me. It's the biggest word you've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to do more hotels, principally resorts. I like the resort business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's a tough business. You got to have really good, smart people doing it. But I tell you that I the, one of the things that has happened to me, and maybe it's a trick to success. I don't know. But the hotel, for example, I'd never built a hotel had no idea what I was doing. My dad was still alive. He thought it was crazy. What, what the hell are you doing? You know, nothing about the hotel business. I think there's a real um, great business model of getting into a business that you actually don't know the rules uh, because then you're not worried about breaking the rules and you can actually do new and innovative things. And that hotel, when we were designing it, I mean, so many people were saying, you can't do this. And I think that's the reason it's successful is because it feels more like you're coming home than you're checking into a typical hotel. Yeah, it doesn't definitely has a home. Home away from a home, and yeah, the attention we, to detail is unbelievable. Well, we had a party there after the 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 bowl when I did the bowl, and we had a party there by the bocce ball court. Yeah, and uh, it was just I don't know. I felt like I was in my backyard. You know, I love um, that. And, and being in the hotel business, being in the hospitality business, how do you how do you take uh, criticism? Like people maybe stay at the hotel or go to the Grove and say, ah, you know, because people love the bitch. You yeah, know, that, that's yeah. 
that's what they love to do. He left yeah. a couple notes uh, last I, night, by the way. We know, we know yeah. that about him. Yeah, he didn't write his name. He just wrote from the Grove guy. He does it in crayon on the walls. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like if someone watches me do comedy or if someone goes to Dr. Cohen and, and has a, a gripe or what, I take it extremely personal, like this is a, a an attack on me or, or whatnot. Being a businessman, can you let that just, it, okay. I think it's, it really depends on who's complaining. Yeah. If it's my wife, <laughs> it carries a lot of weight. <laughs> and I love my wife dearly. And you know, normally when she says something, and she's really honest about it. She's, which really gets under my skin. She's right, mm -hmm. and I really take notice. But no, listen. I think to be in the hotel business, you better love people, mm -hmm. and uh, which also means you got to take a lot of criticism. I, I let it go, but nine out of ten times people are right. The same on the retail properties at the Grove or the Americana, the Palisades. You know, I really do listen to those. Because we want people to come back. Mm -hmm. And so you got to listen to it. And some people just bitch, you know, for no reason, for no good reason. But uh, I, I don't I don't let it get under my skin. I really don't. I know you got to learn to compartmentalize yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> right? that's yeah. good to know. I'll, I'll take that, it takes that, time. that advice. It takes time. All right. In, in conclusion here, um, I, I, I have a I don't have a question. I have a suggestion, but I, I didn't I don't. Uh, know if you have any more questions. What's, what's, what's the suggestion? Well, well, hear me out. And I haven't seen this at any hotel. Okay. 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 Oh, good. I haven't seen this at any hotel. Okay. The new business idea. There you go. Just, if you want to use it, you can. <laughs> I don't know the cost involved with it, but I've often gone to resorts that are on the beach, right? Mm-hmm. You go out, you play in the sand, and you come back to the lounge chair. The problem I have is my feet <laughs> have sand on them, right? Right, because you're at the beach. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. you put the sand on the towel, right? And now you have sand on your towel. Here's my pitch. Okay, need a drum roll. You have individual <laughs> foot baths by each little lounge, so when you come... <laughs> Oh Tell me if you ever heard this before. <laughs> so when you come and, and you're going to come off the beach, you just put your foot in the foot bath and your feet are clean of sand. And now you have a nice. I have to say it's not a crazy he idea. It. He ain't into it. No, I know he's not into no, it. No, no, it's I, not I, a I'm crazy just, just idea. The, just the look alone. When we air this, isolate his look <laughs> on the idea. It, it was like this. Yeah, right, guy. <laughs> We're no. going to put foot bass by the I, end. I'm just trying to figure out how you monetize that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> rental fee. Yeah. A daily how rental. Do you, how do you $5 for a day of a foot bath? Yeah. He's paying know. it. That's it. It's actually not a bad idea. Seems <laughs> like a lot of work, would, but it's not a bad idea. I feel like you, being yeah. the clean freak you are, yeah. you would your your feet would need to be clean of any sand laying on that bed. No. No, I have somebody carry me from the water <laughs> <laughs> to the lounge chair, so I, I never need the oh, foot bath. You, you would have had him if you said individual dog bowls at each place, and then you could put your feet in them. Everybody else uses them for a water bowl. Listen, we know you're 
extremely busy when I asked you to come on here. I was so excited that you that you said yes, and uh, we really appreciate your time. Oh, and really your, quite an your honor. Energy. Thank you. This is an honor and thrill for me. It really well, is. Well, it is for us, too. Uh, and I'm also going to leave you with, if you open up another mall, I am willing to be your Grove guy. <laughs> wow. I, I love that. <laughs> Mark you, that down. That, that actually comes with free parking. <laughs> <laughs> you got a deal. There you have it, Daddy versus Doctor, Mr. Rick Caruso. We uh, we had a blast with you, and uh, we'll see you soon. This is a fun day. Thank you. The opinions expressed in this program are not intended as professional medical advice, as a diagnosis, as a treatment protocol, or as a substitute for professional medical advice from your physician. Please consider your own medical history and consult with your own physician for your specific health care and or medical needs and about your concerns for yourself and your family.